Live. Hello, everyone. Looks like 580, um, 584 is the episode. Excuse me for a second. It's uh, episode five. Well, to be exact, Humanity Matters podcast, episode 584, my bio and life so far. Well, here we go. Let's start off right. I was born in the 60s, and right from the get-go, at the age of approximately two years old, it was discovered that I had a very serious, life-threatening defect with one of my, um, well, serious medical problems. So at the age of two... That could have been it. As a matter of fact, before that, when I was born, it could have been it. They didn't discover it until I was about two. Now, once they discovered it, they found out that it was an extremely serious medical problem, one in which I even turned what they call a shade of blue. And the problem that I had back in the 60s when I was in this incarnation born Well, the success rate and longevity was extremely low. And many of the children did not make it. So you're listening to the voice of a man who is an actual bona fide miracle. And I want to officially thank Father God. And I believe in Jesus, so thank you, Jesus. Having said that, I believe that God has come here in many ways, by many names, and that's another podcast. But I love everybody, atheist and non. But at any rate, I thank God. That's my belief. I thank Jesus. So thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Getting back to the point. Most of the kids that were inflicted with what I had, a good majority of us, Did not make it. So, when I was about the age of 11, I was at a funeral. And you know how you meet those relatives you never see any other time except for a wedding or a funeral? I met one of my, I think she was a cousin, or maybe even a second cousin. She had essentially the same thing that I had made, and up till that point she survived. She's about two years older than me. Well, about a year after that funeral, this young child, early teen, died from exactly the same thing I have. She died at 12 years old. And many others did, and they didn't make it. So I am a living, breathing miracle. Now, having said that, I must tell you, that I am over 50 years old in this incarnation. And that, at the time, that didn't happen. So I've been blessed. Now, having said all that, I've also been through a lot of heck. And I'm going to get to the parts of that. But we need to get to the beginning in the middle. So low about, I don't remember when she passed away, but I do know this. In 1976, my father, my mother, and my family, two sisters, and so-called friend and his so-called girlfriend, we all decided to go out to eat on a Friday night. I believe it was a Friday. And we went to a wanted to go to a restaurant, which, by the way, I don't care for their food, but at the time, we were going to go to a restaurant that was popular in my city. It's called Eat, and then the letter N, so it's Eat and Park. And I'm the first person to ever have driven and been a driver in my life. So when we had gone anywhere, my family, my dad, my mom, my two sisters, we had to get in a bus. 
We didn't catch a bus because you're not Superman. You got to wait till it stops and then you go in it, not on it, in it. Anyway, that's another story. But the point is, we got in a bus, but the bus did not take us all the way down to where we had to go. So we were walking and walking and walking. Finally, we got to the point where we had to cross and get on the other side of the road. Well, there wasn't any traffic stop, any light, anything. So my dad and his so-called friend, whose first name was Richard, I wish I knew the son of a gun's last name. I got my reasons, and you'll find out. Anyway, my dad and Richard and even myself decided we're going to go across the street. This is a large street. And my mom literally pulls me away and says, Oh, no, you ain't going across the street with that son of a blank. And yes, he said the B word. Sometimes my dad and mom would argue and fight like you just don't know. And sometimes it would get bizarre, but that's another story. So she says, You ain't going with that son of a blank. So about, I don't know, 20 seconds or so later, a an intoxicated driver slams into my dad and his so-called friend. This is where it's going to get a little bit gross, so you might lose your lunch. But i got to tell it as it is. You might lose your breakfast. So maybe you might want to pause this until you're done eating. So they get hit so hard by an old bug, a Volkswagen bug, it was nicknamed, but a Volkswagen BW. There's a very small, round, weird-looking car. If you want to see it, there used to be into a couple of movies called Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo or whatever. It's about this little Volkswagen that's, that talks. Look up um, Herbie in the international movie database. I think it's IM, imdb.com. At any rate, this little Volkswagen bug slams into my dad and his friend. With an impact that was so hard, they fly up in the air probably at least 9 to 10 feet. And that's not an exaggeration. So they land in a pool of blood. My dad landed on his head. So at the age of 12 years old, I watched my dad get killed in front of my face. Now, officially, he was pretty much a vegetable at that point, right in front of my face. He physically hung on to about, I'd say about 7 or 8 o'clock that next morning. But he essentially died in front of my face. And again, I'm a living miracle because I was going to go across the street with him, and I would have been dead too. So at the age of 12 years old, I had already gone through... A life where I could have died at any time due to my medical condition. And then I watched my dad die in front of me. So just like an infomercial, you would think that was it, but that's not all. That same year, I'm taking away from my mother and my immediate family due to the fact that I had no longer gone to school. I quit. I stayed home at the age of 12 years old. And I know people are thinking, well, why? And why would your mother let you do it? Don't worry, I'm getting to it. You see, because of my medical condition, I was told I could never fight because I could be instantaneously killed. So there used to be a song by a man named Kenny Rogers, and there still is. You can look it up. It's called The Coward of the Counting. And it essentially says, everyone considered him. Coward of the county. And then it keeps going on how he wouldn't fight and all that. And everybody basically thought he was afraid. Or they used the term chicken, coward, yellow belly, whatever you want to call it. But in reality, what had happened was, for those of you who don't know the history of the song or the movie, he wasn't a coward at all. He was asked by his father, who had literally died in prison because of too many fighting and who knows what. So, as the song goes, I promise you, Dad, not to do the things you've done, to walk away from trouble when I can. 
yada, yada, yada. And I won't tell you how the song ends. But let's just say that he was not a coward of the county. But because of my medical condition, in real life, I was considered worse than the coward of the county. Worse. I got beat up physically in school. How bad? Bad enough that I almost died. Bad enough that I had a fork in my mouth at lunch one day. And some mother, you know what? Why don't I have a fork in my mouth? Jabs me in the back with another fork. So that's two metal objects. So obviously I choked and I could have died. And I, w- I would tell you that the school did something and helped me and I got justice. But that would be the biggest lie in the the history of a, of the planet. Those suckers didn't do anything. That's why... I hadn't gone to school in the first place. So as a matter of fact, that's a very important aspect of my life, so I have to throw down on that one. You see, because of my medical condition, I wouldn't fight. So no matter if it was elementary school or what, I got my asteroids beat up every day. Worse than that, and no offense to people who are computer geniuses, But I got beat up by the nerd. I got beat up by the nerdiest nerd and the wimpiest-looking kid on the planet. Everybody beat my asteroids just because I would never fight back. So they thought I was the coward of the school or the coward of the county. So let's fast forward a little bit, but before we do, at the age of 12 years old, I just had witnessed my dad dying. So how traumatic is that for a 12-year-old when you literally see blood all over the place and your dad is dead? So because I hadn't gone to school, the so-called child welfare system deems the best thing for me is to be locked up with a bunch of children who were been had been sexually children and teenagers sexually abused or were, you know, juvenile delinquents, had stolen cars and robbed and I think one attempted to murder. So they decided to lock me up, which, remember, I'm the victim. I was beat up every freaking day. So, lo and behold, they take me away. Now, keep in mind, I just lost my dad. Let's remember that. I didn't lose him. He got killed. I hate that term, lost my dad, passed away. He was violently and horrendously killed by a drunk-ass driver. And, yes, I still have that temper. And if you don't like it, well, guess what? I don't like the fact my dad was killed either. So deal with it. No offense, but deal with it. any rate, so here's what's going down next. They take me away to a place called McIntyre Shelter. So time goes by, about a month or so, and they decide to put me in another place, a more permanent place. So I get there, and I'm not allowed to even talk to my mother, write to her, nothing. Like I disappeared off the face of the earth for six weeks. Those who lost count a month and a half so you think that's bad enough nah not even close then two of my aunts or aunts died that same year so if you're keeping the total my dad gets violently killed I get taken away from any family I ever known and then two of my family members die now in addition Finally, something good happens. I get my ass beat so bad when I get to this permanent place. I mean, they beat me up everywhere. I mean, my testicles, my manhood itself. I got beat so bad. Mike Tyson would have felt bad about the way I got beat. And it was the best thing that ever happened at that point. Got my ass kicked.
check. Now, if you're thinking, why is that a good thing? Because I got punched everywhere, including where I was supposedly supposed to get killed. So about midway through, when I was being initiated by everybody in the cottage, is what they called them, we're talking about 16 teenage boys messing me up like a mother Fritos to keep it clean. And I, all of a sudden I start laughing, and I'm smiling, and they can't figure it out. They're like beating the hell out of me, wailing on me. And by the way, the staff member was right there joining in instead of stopping. He should have been in prison. But that's another story in podcast. I don't give a flying Frito. I was too busy having fun getting my ass kicked. And you think of what? See, you don't get it yet. Because I got my ass kicked, and I mean hard, I mean hard as a mother Fritos. Man, that made me feel so good. It hurt, but it made me feel good. I felt like James Brown. I feel good. Because, you see, after I realized I couldn't die, I became a different boy at that time, a different teenager. And I told all of them, I'm going to F you up. I'm going to get you back. By the way, I did get some good, good lickings on those suckers. I, I kicked a couple of their behinds. Got one right in his muckamias, if you know what I'm saying. Punched one in the jaw so hard, he started screaming. 16 against one, and I still got my shots in. But the most significant, most importantly thing to remember is that I didn't die from getting my ass kicked. I didn't die. I survived it. And let me tell you what happened after that. Within about three weeks, every one of those kids, including, let's just say, an incident that to this day, a certain staff member may have a suspicion but does not know, or let's just say justice was served. And everybody that took part in beating my behind, well, <laughs> I got me a little old justice. That's all I'm going to say. Remember, this is being recorded. I got me some justice. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Don't worry. Nobody got that bad. Only only one kid actually went to the hospital with a broken jaw. But, hey, forget about it. You mess with me, forget about it. So I find out I can open up a can of whoop ass. Now, I forgot a couple of points. Remember how I told you I got beat up in school before that? Well, I also got robbed at gunpoint when I was in a school and um, after I knew I could fight, ironically, I came home finally after like, was it four years or whatever the hell it was? It's been a long, it was a long time. And ironically, I guess this kid that had robbed me was a senior. And it happened to be in what was called Peabody High School on, I believe it's South Highland Avenue in the city of Pittsburgh, which is in the United States of America. And so this kid had robbed me, and he was still in school. So he didn't know that I had had this transformation. He comes over to rob me again. And he's like, Mother Effer, give me your money. And I just started laughing my butt off. I said, I'll give you, my, I'll give you something, but it ain't going to be my money. And he's like, who do you think you are? You know what I'm getting at without saying it, Mother Fritos. And so I said, oh, I'll get you my money. And I pretended like I was going to get something. I pretended like I cowered. Man, I came back, and I hit him so hard and knocked the seats out of him so bad. And then I got him up, and I pulled him up. I never told anybody the whole story, but... I basically decided to rob him. Yes, I did. It's called justice. It's called karma. I said, Mother Effer, you give me your money or you ain't going home ever again. So I robbed the hell out of him. I said, Mother Effer, if I ever see you harass another kid, well, heck with that. I said, if I ever see you pick on another kid, you're a dead man. That's actually what I said. I'll mess you up. You'll be dead, Mother Effer. And he got so scared of me that I said, and if I ever see you in the hall, you better run. 
if I ever see you looking wrong in anybody, you better run. I'm going to F your ass up, and I'm going to F your ass up so bad, you'll be screaming and crying. So I said, I'm going to give you another chance. But don't you ever rob or abuse another person. I will F you up. And he was screaming and crying. I finally let him go. He couldn't. I don't even think he said a word because he was terrified because he got his ass beat badly. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not saying violence necessarily solves anything. In fact, I don't believe it does. But, you know, when you've been abused and robbed at gunpoint, sometimes you've got to open up a can of whoop ass. And I did. And I scared him so bad. He ran like like he was the coward of the county, quite honestly. So I, I don't know how long it really was. I can't say that I do. Eventually, I see him in the hall. And you got to remember, this is when everybody was in the hall. It was in between classes. He sees me, and he, I don't know if he screams or not, but he ran away. And he had to be embarrassed. I don't know, but he had to be. He ran away so fast. It was like, it was like, <laughs> like in a horror movie. He's just running. He's like, Getting the heck out of my way. And so eventually, I see him again. I I guess a month or so, whatever it was. And he couldn't run away. So I go up to him. I said, listen, we're cool. I mean, I use that word. I said, it's good. We're We're okay or whatever. Whatever it is, as long as you behave. You're all right. And I actually shook his hand. And we never really became friends, but we coexisted. I guess that's what they call it now, whatever. But the point of that is this. He never did it again. He never was a jackass again. And you probably think, well, what's this got to do with anything? Well, it has everything to do with it. I had gone from a terrified kid to a person that does not stop at anything. I do my stuff legally and peacefully, at least as of about 12 years ago. I was always legal, but maybe not always peaceful because I do believe in justice. So at any rate, finally, I guess about not long after that, maybe about a year, maybe about a year, I decided to quit school. The reason is, is because since I was abused so much in school, they incorrectly tested me, and they decided to put labels on me, which I won't get into, but I did not get a good education in Pittsburgh, PA. I got a great education in Scranton, PA, I had received a great education in the Zillionopal, Cranberry, well, not Zillionopal, but Zillionopal and Mars, and uh, what the heck is the other one? Evans City area. Those two places, I had a great education. And I actually graduated, well, I would have been in 12th grade, two different times. But when I came back to Pittsburgh, they said, well, you don't have enough credit. So they put me, the first time, they took me from 12th grade all the way back to 9th grade because they claimed they didn't have enough credits. So imagine, you're in 12th grade ready to get out of school, and these suckers start you all over again. Good reason why I don't like Pittsburgh Public Schools, don't you think? I can't stand Pittsburgh Public Schools. They let me be abused and almost got killed, and then on top of all that, the mofos, decide to hold me back and put me all the way back four years after I had done the time and had the education. But anyway, hey, it is what it is. So, any rate, then I leave town again for a while. So I come back to Pittsburgh the second time, having graduated to, I mean, been put in 12th grade again. So this time I come back to Pittsburgh, and they decide, 
you don't have enough credits again. And I outright told him, there's no way I'm playing your shit this time. And yes, I said, shit. And they threatened me and all that. Well, we'll expel you, blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, I ain't doing it again. It's not happening. I've done my time. I know what time it is. I didn't use those words, but I, I, I basically said, I've achieved being in 12th grade twice. You think I'm going to let you pull this? So what they did is they made me go to classes from every grade, ninth grade, 10th, 11th, and 12th, all at the same time. Well, by this time, I couldn't stand Pittsburgh Public Schools. I couldn't stand Peabody High School. I couldn't stand my teachers, to be honest, except for one who I thought was one funny son of a gun, and I still like him today. His name was Mr. Moon. He was one funny mother Fritos. He's a good man. Other than him, I couldn't stand these mofos. So, finally, I said, F this. So I decided to quit school. But instead of signing myself out like the normal thing to do, I just quit going. So I went from being on the honor roll with all A's to E's and failing, which is just a way for them to try to get back at me. But it happened. So about a month later, I decided to go and get my GED or GED or General Equivalency Diploma. And that's where eventually I find my current girlfriend of more than, what, 30, oh, shoot, since 1982, about 33 years. And we've been together that long. She gets on my last nerve almost every day, but, yeah, we've been there together for 33 years. So, at any rate, that's when I go to get my GED or my GED. And then I also went and had done some, you know, some extra college classes. And I also had learned how to do cooking and yada, yada, yada. And, of course, in 2001, I had gone and taken college courses in acting or drama, as they call it. And so I've I've put my time in. I've learned a lot of stuff. And in 1986, I trained in law enforcement and training, law enforcement and security. As a matter of fact, in 1986, I actually trained in counter-terrorism. Even before it hit America, I was training in counter-terrorism. I trained in hotel security. I trained in bomb security and bomb threats, hospital security, you name it. So I've done a whole lot of stuff. And I knew about threats to our nation before most Americans had, because I trained in counterterrorism. But at any rate, done a lot of stuff. So, if you're adding things up, you had a guy who was physically not supposed to be here with his medical condition, physically beaten up as a child to the point of almost being killed, Watched his dad be killed in front of his face. Well, also in 1986, I was involved in an extremely dangerous vehicular accident. I have the details on other podcasts, but to put it this way, if I didn't have a seatbelt on, I would have been dead. I almost went over, even with the seatbelt, I was an inch away from going over about a 500 to more than a 1,000 foot drop. And actually, it probably was even larger than that. I don't know. Over a freaking cliff. You figure it out yourself. So bad that what happened is I had run out of gas. And eventually a taxi driver came over to help me. And you couldn't pull over. This is one of those deals where it's like a highway. There was nowhere to pull over. But we did the best we could. I'll tell you a little bit about the story. You, You do need to know this. It's relevant. Ultimately, the taxi driver and I agreed that I'm going to go with him, get, you know, get gas, 
and the gas can't come back. So I said, well, let's see if we can get this over to the side. And all, in all honesty, he may have said it. I don't remember. It was 1986. Anyway, so I get into my vehicle. He's talking to me. He's right outside my door. So I said, just in case some stupid mother, and I did say that just like that, comes and hit us, I'm going to get my seatbelt on. So I happened to look in the rearview mirror at that very point. I said, get the F out of here. Some son of a or whatever is going to hit us. I think I said some effing asshole is going to hit us. Literally about a second before impact, I was able to get my seatbelt on. Now, there's a teeny little cliff. If you come to Pittsburgh, this is called Bigelow, no, Balm. Yeah, Bigelow Boulevard. I believe that's the one. And it takes you from, say, Oakland to downtown Pittsburgh. And there's this hillway, you know, this cliff. And there's this green, it was green at the time, picket metal spiked fence for a large portion of the way down. Now, if you go over that, you're going over a cliff of about 500 to 1,000 or more feet. So basically, I would have been dead. Well, because I yelled out, get the F out of here, we'll just say I'll finish that part of the story at the end. Well, not at the end, but at the end of this part. So at any rate, I'm getting hit. I get hit by this woman, and my vehicle literally is with an inch within an inch of going over the cliff. The only thing that stopped it was the window got jammed on these spikes that could have impelled the hell out of anybody, and also the teeny little bit of curb that there was. Now. The vehicle does, like, I guess it's about a 180, and it lands on top of her right-hand side up in the air, and a large portion completely crushes her right end of her vehicle. Now, it was so severe, they sent at least five ambulances, I don't know how many police cars, and at least two or three fire trucks. Now, keep in mind, I land like the form of a cross. Maybe that's a sign from God for some of you. At any rate, and I'm not trying to push it, I'm just telling you like it is. At any rate, the last time I seen that taxi driver, he was right outside my car, so I'm thinking he's crushed to death. And I really didn't want to see how messed up he may be. He could have been decapitated for all I know. Who knows? But I had my own problems. The way in which my vehicle actually landed, the left side, which was the passenger, I mean the driver's side, I couldn't get out or I would have gone over the cliff, been impaled, and would have been dead. So thank God I had that seatbelt on. I don't have that seatbelt on. I'm a dead man. But I couldn't get out of the vehicle. And remember, I was doing something of a balancing act. So I very, very gingerly had to push this heavy Cutlass Supreme, 1973 Cutlass Supreme with a 350 rocket engine and try to push the door open without going over the cliff. You can imagine how terrifying that fun stuff was. And all I saw was an endless hill because of the way I landed. So I was able to get out. Thank God I did not have a passenger because had I had a passenger, I don't even want to talk about it. I wouldn't have been able to get out, and the extra weight might have been like, okay, you're done. At any rate, yeah, there is a cosmic universe and cosmic creator, whatever you want to call it, God, uh, cosmic energy, because I'm telling you, things worked out in a way that was a miracle. So finally, I'm able to open the door. But I'm up so high, I literally had to hang on to the door and kind of do a hang jump, or whatever you want to call it. And I had to be extremely careful that I was on the side of the road and not on the side of the cliff that would have killed me. 
which was hard to do, but I got it done. So I finally I get on the road, and I assess the damage, and boy, it was scary as a mother. Nobody's there yet. No ambulance, nothing. So first thing I'm thinking is, this driver's dead. I mean, not the driver of the car necessarily, but the cab driver. So I go, and I'm looking for him, and he comes yelling up to me, are you all right? Are you all right? And I'm thinking, damn, I'm thinking, is he a ghost? No. I mean, I didn't know what I was thinking, to be honest. Because I said, get the F out the way or whatever I said, I basically saved his life. He had enough time to run back to his cab and embrace for impact, or at least get towards his cab, and he, he didn't get hit. So the next thing is I'm thinking this other driver's dead. And had she had a passenger, they would have been crushed to death. No doubt. No question. But miraculously, her side didn't even get damaged at all. She she didn't get hurt. Or at least put it this way, if she got hurt, she didn't tell me. So let's figure this out. We're having a serious, serious accident. So bad, we have all these ambulances and police, you know, police cars and the fire trucks, and yet, miraculously, not one of us got killed. I'm still in pain today from that accident, but I'm here. And the driver of the taxi is here, or hopefully still living. And the nurse, yes, she was a nurse. I forgot to tell you that. Boy, I'm glad I wasn't her patient. But at any rate, we're all alive. Okay, so I survived again. So if you're counting, I survived this dangerous medical condition, watching my dad be killed in front of my face, being sent away from my only family in a time of great tragedy, uh, being abused like a mother Fritos right in front of a staff parent in one of these homes that supposedly was supposed to help me, by the way, and, of course, all the other stuff that I told you. Well, okay. Now, there's a lot of stuff that happened in between those years of 86 and 2015. And I've been through a lot of heck. But come 2010 or 2010, there's another three-vehicle accident. This time... Me and a whole bunch of other people are in a traffic jam. And we're even waiting for a red light. So nobody's supposed to be moving. Right? Oh, wait a minute. Let me go back to 1986 for a minute. I had a, a big, huge car, a Cutlass Supreme 1973. The person that almost killed me and caused a three-vehicle accident and made my car go up that high, she had a little, teeny Honda Civic. Just imagine that. Look up those types of things on the Internet, and you'll be amazed and astounded that this little Pee Wee Herman vehicle could have done what it had done. But it did it. Now let's go back to, you know, 2010 now. So we're in traffic and waiting on a light to change. A whole bunch of cars. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom! hit from behind, again, hard impact. My vehicle was hit so hard, my vehicle then slams into a full-size van. Once again, I'm the middle vehicle in a three-vehicle accident. Once again, I'm hurting like a mother Fritos. Okay. So the pain comes back. So... About 2013, finally the pain is manageable, which is kind of an oxymoron because really no pain is. So I don't have to go to the chiropractor, even though I now have had two accidents that permanently have me in pain. I'm like, I'm able to handle it pretty much with a Tylenol. Then... On December the 20th, 2014, we're talking about five days before this past Christmas, a bus driver deliberately assaulted us. 
Speeding to the point of, I had two choices that night. Get the F out the way or die, along with my family, which was Kathy and Annette. So I get the hell out the way, and I avoid this bus. Now, at the time I'm there, I'm the only vehicle there, other than this Yahoo asshole. All of a sudden, I'm backing up to get the hell out the way. This bus had so much room, it wasn't even funny. But I'm backing up because he's speeding around a very tight bend at a place called the Waterfront, located in Homestead, PA. He was making a right turn into the parking complex at the corner where there is a, it's called a um, Crunch Fitness and a DXL, a DXL store. For those of you in the Pittsburgh, PA, Homestead area, go to the waterfront and you'll see the corner. He's coming down Amity Street. I don't know the side street entrance to the parking lot name. So this son of a beech nut gum is coming down. He had to be going five or more miles an hour. I don't know, maybe ten. So badly that he even goes up on the curb. Well, at any rate, at the time I'm I'm there... There's not any freaking cars. It's five days before Christmas. It's late at, well, not late, but it was like 8.20, 8.30 to 8.50, somewhere between 8.20 and 8.50. There wasn't anybody. So I'm waiting at the light to make my left turn. This stupid, dangerous, murderous bus driver comes flying out to make the turn. I get the F out the way. I'm not dying that night. F? them. And all of a sudden, I, I, I am backing up, and I hit, supposedly, another vehicle. And at first, that's what I thought. I thought, I hit that vehicle, because it makes sense. I'm getting the F out the way, right? Well, I was in shock, because, don't forget, I had gone through these other vehicle ac- vehicular accidents, so you know I'm going to be a little shell- shell-shocked. I mean, how could you not? I probably have a little bit of PTSD even because of what happened in 86 and 2010. So I'm getting the F out the way. Let's be real about this. Well, I come to learn, and this woman actually admitted this, actually admitted more than once that at the time of the accident, she didn't see what happened. She had her head down and was looking in her purse. Now, eek, eek, get the F out of here. Hold the phone, ladies and gentlemen. You're driving a vehicle and you have your head down, and you're looking in your purse. She was not stopped. Now, keep this in mind. Not stopped. Had her head down and looking in her purse. Well, I'm a nice guy for the most part. Why do you think it's Humanity Matters podcast? So I'm thinking I'm going after this son of a beech nut gum driver. I'm a nice guy, but I'm not stupid. You know, the bus driver is the one I'm going after. So I call up an insurance company that claims to be on your side. It's called Nationwide. Nationwide ain't on your mofo side. They are so full of shit. This is the profanity part. If you don't like it, well, that's your problem. No offense. They're so full of shit, it ain't even funny. So they ultimately say I'm responsible because I hit this woman. Well, what had happened was, when I called up and made the report, I didn't want to implicate this woman because I wanted to go after that driver for deliberately doing what the driver had done. Well, because I got the F out the way, he or she didn't hit our vehicle. So ultimately, I'm the bad guy, supposedly, even though I was completely 100% innocent. I didn't have my head down. And looking through a purse. I didn't speed around a corner. Okay? But at any rate, what happened was I didn't go after this woman when I made the report. I didn't reveal to them on the record. Now, that's a very important distinction. For the record, I told them for the record, um, I'm not officially reporting this. But the lady admitted to me that her head was down. And she was looking for something. Now, at the time, I didn't recall she said her purse. 
that she was, you know, she was looking through it. So I made the mistake of not going after her as well as the driver. Now, as a direct result, Nationwide, who's not on your side, is trying to say that I'm at fault for the accident. Well, finally, I wake them up a little bit. And I have physical evidence to prove that there's a pattern of Port Authority negligence and dangerous driving. So because I'm a badass and get a preponderance of the evidence, all of a sudden, guess what happened? They determined that the driver was at fault 60%, but they claim I'm still 40% responsible. Well, believe me, when I'm done, I will legally peacefully have justice. I'm not taking any, any responsibility, and here's why. I was at the light, completely stopped, ready to make a left turn. I was way past the amount of room this driver needed. You know how in a lot of states they have stop here on red? I was even behind where the sign for that would have been. So this mofo had no right and no reason to do what this bus driver did. But the problem I have in being considered responsible is I didn't have my head down and I wasn't looking through my purse. I don't have a purse. I'm a guy who doesn't happen to have a purse because I don't have anything against people who are gay, straight, or whatever, but I'm a guy that loves women. So I just have a wallet. Anyway, I'm innocent. So anyway, I messed up another way. I didn't call the Homestead Police. I called the Port Authority Police. I'm thinking it was your guy or girl who slammed into me. Logical to call the Port Authority Police. Let me give you a heads up. Never call the Port Authority Police, Housing Police, whatever freaking police there may be around or attached to that company or company's organization. Call the local municipality, the city, the state, or the federal authorities. Because guess what? This son of a bitch, and excuse my language, this son of a bitch cop, covered up and did not even do a complete report. Covered up the facts. Did not even take the testimony of the woman who even to him admitted she had her head down and was looking through her purse. So, I'm pretty messed up, right? Because I let this lady off the hook. Well, <laughs> karma has a way of kicking people's ass. I messed up. But Cassie never did. She told the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but. And she told them officially. She told Nationwide, who, by the way, is not on your side. She told them, look, we were at the light. It ain't his fault some woman has her head down and looking through her purse. So here's the thing about it, everybody. You're probably thinking, well, how the hell has that got a bio in my life so far? Well, it has everything to do with it. I almost got killed this last Christmas, along with Annette and Kathy. You bet your ass I'm going to get me some justice. But I want you to know when you listen to me, who you're listening to. Now, with all of that, what is the end game, Albert? The end game is that I love people, including these yahoos that almost killed me, including the kid that I, I robbed back when he robbed me. I love people. I have a great forgiveness, but justice must be done. But I still love people. What's the, all that have to do with you? What's in it for you? I love people. That means I love you. Well, I've been doing this show, Humanity Matters Live, the TV show. Humanity Matters Live, the TV show. On real TV. Public access, but it's actually on the real the airwaves. And I have really interviewed famous people. But I've always wanted to help to fight and end poverty. And for the last couple of years, I've gotten involved with home-based businesses to help me become 
very prosperous financially, educationally, and in every way, shape, or form. All of this that I told you tells you of the kind of intestinal fortitude, determination, and passion that I have. Well, I also am working to create wealth for my teams that I have in my businesses. And hopefully for you. You're probably thinking, all this just for a pitch. No. This is not a pitch. You see, this is a mission. I'm on a mission. And there was a movie called The Blues Brothers, and I think they had two of them maybe. I know they had one, and it was funny. And I don't want to sound like I'm a proselytizer, but there's a line that they used in The Blues Brothers. I'm on a mission from God. Well, I don't care if you're an atheist or not. I love you. Spiritually, yeah, I love you. And ironically, just like that movie, I'm on a mission from God. I'm not saying God called me up on the phone and said, you got to do this. I wish that God had done that. I love Father God. I believe Father God or Mother God, whatever you call God or what you believe to be a God, I do believe I was assigned one of these missions. I'm not saying that I actually heard voices or any of that stuff. But I'm on a mission from God and, in a way, for God to spread the love. You see, there's things I didn't tell you about my life because I, frankly, didn't think about them until just now. But when I was in one of these food preparation programs after I left Conley School for my GED, I was in one called Opportunities Incorporated, I think it was, or it was OIC, and it was in the Hill District of Pittsburgh, PA. One of the things we had done when we were doing our training for food preparation to be a cook is we had gone to a homeless shelter and a food, you know, where they give you food. It was called the Jubilee Kitchen. And since that day, I've wanted to help end poverty. I didn't always recognize it for that, but ultimately that's what it was and still is. That day, something very sad happened. Remember, I was just a kid volunteering that day. I was about 17, 18. So we're giving out food to the homeless and the hungry. This child comes up to me. He says to me, can I have another piece of bread? He might have said, sir, I don't know. He's like, can I have another piece of bread? And apparently you only were supposed to have a certain amount. I didn't know, and I didn't give a rat's, let, rat's claw. So he says to me, this, this kid ha- couldn't have been more than five or seven. I don't know. Can I have a piece of bread, another piece of bread? And I give him another piece of bread. And to him, it was like a steak. And at that point, when I seen how a measly piece of bread, and Father God, I'm not discounting how important bread is, but it wasn't a steak. It wasn't a five-course meal. It was a piece of bread. And this child was so happy for an extra piece of bread. At that point, at that age, I said, oh, hell no. And I ultimately gave the kid more bread, and I didn't give a mother Fritos if people liked it or they didn't. But can you imagine, people, a piece of bread, and this kid is treating it as if it was a steak? That's wrong. It's wrong. So my point is this. From that day forward, I was going to find a way. I was going to find a way to help. So back in 2004, I started my TV show, Humanity Matters. In 2007, I did Humanity Matters podcast on www.talkshoe.com. And for many years, I wasn't able to find anything that I felt was legitimate. But why do I ask people to be on my teams? 
because I want you to have abundance. And that, ultimately, is my mission. It's not a pitch. It's a mission. And I think now that you know who I really am, you might realize I'm a fighter. I'm a legal, peaceful fighter, but I am as tough as all of the United States military combined. Tougher than all the boxers of every kind of field of boxing. MMA, UFC, regular boxing, traditional boxing, wrestling, you name it. That's how tough I am. Why? I'm tired of people living without what they need and the abundance they were promised by our Creator. So, what do I want you to do? I want you to want your abundance. I want you to want financial independence. I want you to want a life. Not a life where you have to get a second job to pay even more bills, but where you can start your own business, make enough money ultimately when you do the work. If you don't do the work, you won't make one red cent. Actually, it's more like brown in America, if you ever looked at it. But you won't make a penny if you don't do what I ask you to do. If you don't do the work, you're not making money. But if you will learn and put yourself out there and work, you will soon see results. I know, because I've made money in both of my businesses. I earned money in both of my businesses. What I want from you is for you to demand a better life. What I want from you is faith in a creator or whatever. you. If you're an atheist, faith in yourself. But have faith. You can't have quantifiable results for the scientists and analytical minds out there. But let me tell you, if you had experienced the shit that I've experienced, you would say, oh, shit, I was wrong. There is a God. Trust me. You can't quantify it. You can't measure it. You may say it's only your thought process. I was there. I went through this stuff. I have gone through it. I almost died so many times, it ain't even funny. But what I want from you is a commitment to have abundance in your life. If you join me, fine. If you don't, I'm going to be a millionaire no matter what. I will be a millionaire. You can mark my words, write it down, and save the sucker. So what I really want is I want you to call me and say, you know what, Al? I'm not really into these multi-level marketing businesses, home business, blah, 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 blah. I'm not a salesperson, blah, 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 blah. But then I want you to say, but I trust you, Albert Tercasso. I believe in you. I see, feel, and hear the passion, Albert Tercasso. And if you'll fight that hard for what you believe in, I'm going to put my trust in you. Now, the beautiful thing is I have an opportunity that's in my portfolio. I have more than one, and I'm looking for good home-based businesses to add to my portfolio. But I'm pretty tough on the requirements. We're not going to get into that today. But let me just tell you this. I have one company in my portfolio for you to buy in is a minimum of $40 the first payment. Then after that, a minimum of $20 a month. And trust me, to have you owning your own business and eventually earning money, $40 ain't shit. But just like an infomercial, I have something even better. I have another opportunity that you can get in for free, and you can even earn money for free. And they have a pro version for thirty what forty nine dollars ninety five cents. I'll even tell you the difference. If you're a pro member, you're gonna get twenty percent commission when you get a unit sold. Oh, excuse me. If you're a free member and you sell a unit, you will get twenty percent. But if you're a pro member, you'll get thirty percent. 
if you're a pro member, you'll get a major discount on all of your products. So pro members make 10% more on commissions and a whole host of other benefits, including over 300,000 discounts nationwide of up to 50% or more. To give you an example, there's a pizza place out where I live. You can get for $5, that's right, $5, you can actually get up to $25 worth of food. So you're basically getting $20 for free. So if you're a pro member... You have up to 300,000 discounts, plus some of the best travel rates on travel, hotel, and vehicles that you can find anywhere, including those online places. We have better. And major discounts on over 300,000 places, retailers. But this is where you have to look at this distinction. The one company, you have to pay $40 your first time, and $20 every month after, and that's for one of the low levels. If you want to have the high level, your buy-in is $80 the first time, and then $40 every month after. But there's also the other one where you can get in for free, and you can earn up to 20% on commissions. I will be looking for more opportunities, not because I don't like these two. I love them. I'm going to become a multimillionaire from them. But I want what's best for you. That's why I need you to call me at 412-422-1036, 412-559-2731. And to be honest with you, I don't care if you join my business or you just want to talk about why the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't won a Super Bowl in the last couple of months. I don't care what you talk about. I want to be your friend because I care. I just I just do. So that's about it, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed knowing who I actually am. And I hope that you know I want you to have an abundant life, with or without regard if you ever join my companies or not. I don't give a damn. I just don't want you to slave to death, work yourself to death for some stupid jackass boss that don't even appreciate you. If you join my businesses, on the one of them, you can make $80 commissions every single time you get somebody to join. And and here's the kicker. When they join, they can get into the business or become a customer for the same $40. But you, if they join for $40 or even $20, see, it's a $20. Let me explain this. You get the first and last month's payment, but you're actually paying nineteen ninety five a month for the, one of the entry level services. So, say somebody joins up for the twenty, I mean the nineteen ninety five service, you're going to make an eighty dollar commission. That's business A. Business B, if somebody buys a unit, you're going to get twenty percent. The actual number of dollars you get, I have not figured that out yet. When I get the actual dollar amount, I'll more than share that with you. But you can make up to $80 commission. So if you got five in business A, let's say you got five sign-ups, you'd make about $300 from five. From 10, you would make $800. Now, let's say you got 100 That's $8,000 in your pocket. So, yeah, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to cry, oh, now people ain't going to like me because I'm talking about them joining a business. They'll think I sold out. Let me tell you, I didn't sell out. I'm trying to save lives. There is a difference. There is a difference. Now that you know who I am, give me that call, 412-559-2731, 412-422-1036. Call me if you're depressed and just want to talk, if you just need a friend. Maybe you just lost a family member. Maybe you got a divorce. Maybe you just need somebody who gives a shit. I'm the guy who gives a shit. And I don't want your money. I want your happiness. You see, I love Father God. 
That's my belief that it's Father God. I don't care what your belief is. You can be a Muslim and call me, an atheist and call me, a Christian and call me, a Jew, a Sikh. I don't care. As long as you are a human being, give me a call. And if you happen to be a talking animal, sure as hell, give me a call. I need the money to help you get rich and me. Just call me. <laughs> like like James Taylor said, all you've got to do is call. And I'll be there. Yes, I will. You've got a friend. Ain't it good to know you've got a friend? That's true. That's who I am. And with that, I love you. I want you to have abundance. And I want it for to happen for you today. So get your butt to call me immediately. Look, I ain't going to pretty it up. You don't need to be working two jobs. You don't need to be dealing with mofos. I love the mofos, too. But if they're mofos, you don't need to be a slave. Call Albert Tricasso. I'm right. But the world needs to know that you and humanity and all forms of life really does matter.